You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Speaking of the National Football League, Week 17. Get started on Sunday. We obviously got a big game here locally. The Commanders playing host of the Cleveland Browns and what is really a pseudo-playoff game. What we're going to do here right now is go through, really, in my opinion, the top games in Week 17. We'll do that now. For me, man, it starts on the road, Bears and Lions. This Detroit run defense uh, was awful last weekend against the Panthers. Detroit really needs this game, though, to stay alive in the NFC playoff picture. Here is Lions head coach Dan Campbell on why he's confident in his group to bounce back from last week's loss uh, against the Carolina Panthers. I know the guys in the locker room. That's, that's why. And I know these coaches and I know these players. And uh, I, kn- I know what they're made of. And I just go back to the fact this, this team was assembled for a reason. And uh, so uh, there is nothing that would tell me that the, these guys won't bounce back. So we're going to put in the good work today. And, uh, and they'll be ready to roll. Hey, uh, Dan Campbell, newsflash, I'll tell you what will hold your football team back. Sunday, they were on the road going up against the Carolina Panthers in a game for them that was also a pseudo-playoff game. They are in control of their own destiny right now. If they would have won out, they get into the playoffs, but they didn't handle their business Sunday uh, against the Carolina Panthers. And the work that Carolina was able to do on the ground, that – that concerns me this week because you got Justin Fields, arguably the best running quarterback in the National Football League right now. He torched you in their first meeting. If you can't stop the run, Dan Campbell, how do the Lions get into the postseason? 43 carries, 320 yards of rushing offense for the Carolina Panthers Sunday uh, against the Detroit Lions in a game that they needed to have. So give me Chicago in this one. I like Justin Fields to run rough shot. When you give up 320 yards of rushing to Foreman, Chubba Hubbard, and Sam Darnold, how do you think they're going to act when Justin Fields comes to town? Patriots playing host to the Miami Dolphins. Miami really, to me, had a double loss last weekend at home versus Green Bay. They lost the game, and they lost quarterback Tua Tagovailoa with a concussion. Teddy Bridgewater set to get the start for New England. And for New England, another week, another Mac Jones hissy fit. Huge AFC showdown nonetheless. Here is Coach Bill Belichick on the challenge of preparing for a different quarterback this week against Miami. You can't go in a game with two different offenses. It's impossible. So one's right hand and one's left hand. I mean, that definitely affects some things right there. But we could be looking at a different quarterback just like we're in Arizona, you know, in the first series of the game. And so you have to be ready for, you know, who you expect to play, but that could change. Certainly, it's changed for us. We had players that have gone out in the first series and had to you know, play with different players and go to defend different players, and they were expected to defend on the other side of the ball. So, I mean, that's football. 
What an eloquent answer per usual by uh, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. Not the most media-friendly guy in the world. But look, I think it's pretty simple when you talk about who's going to win this game on Sunday. Both of these teams fighting for their playoff lives. I get that. The Wounded Warrior Theory. It comes into effect this weekend. Teddy Bridgewater is under center for Miami in place of the injured Tua Tungavailoa. There are thoughts out there within the national media that Tua Tungavailoa should just retire. So if you don't think this Miami Dolphins locker room is going to rally behind Teddy Bridgewater and try to keep their postseason hopes alive, you're tripping. Last time I checked, the Dolphins still have Jalen Waddle uh, and Tyreek Hill. I don't think New England has enough offense to uh, go back and forth with the Miami Dolphins. Give me the Finns. Colts and Giants. That's a game that Commanders fans should have their eyes on. Colts going to go on the road to MetLife to take on the Giants. The G-Men in control of their own playoff destiny uh, as they host Nick Foles and company. Like I said, Washington fans were definitely rooting for the Indianapolis Colts this week, but the deck definitely stacked against the Colts with no Jonathan Taylor and being on their third starting quarterback of the year. Despite that, Giants head coach Brian Dable still feeling the pressure of the big game. I say there's pressure every week in this league. Uh, there's only 17 games. you got to play well each week. Do everything you can do to win and get ready to play the next week. It's, it's competitive. In the Super Bowl, though, and like the playoffs? Like We're playing experience? the Colts this week. So. I mean, I was asking you a general question. Oh. You said every game, every week, every game is the same. It, it is. I mean, if you don't, if you don't, you got to do the things you need to do to win each game. I know there's, what's this, what's this? I mean, the way I was raised in this business in terms of getting ready to play games, doing the things you need to do each week, prepare the right way, practice the right way. I know it's a boring answer, but that's the truth. Um, I don't think you can get too far ahead of yourself in anything. Each game is important. Um, and as you get going throughout the season, if you're lucky enough to keep going, it's, you know, they're one game seasons then. So, you know, our focus is on this game and, and we're going to have to do a good job. Does that sound like uh, the head coach of, of a team who's going to make the playoffs? I mean, Brian Dable doesn't know what the hell he wants to say to the media. He's done a good job in New York. I mean, they've clearly exceeded expectations. They're off to an 8-6-1 and one start, and it really feels like he's making chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. Commanders fans, though, ultimately, we need to be rooting for the Colts. So go Indy. I like the Colts this week. Eagles and Saints. Dirty Birds coming off a loss last week, and they're trying to wrap up the number one seed in the NFC. Jalen Hurts uh, missing last week's game with a shoulder injury, but reports say he's pushing hard to play. Here's Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni on the likelihood of Jalen giving it a go. Yeah, obviously, his, if his body heals, I guess what I'm saying is if his body heals like quickly, which it, which I which I'm seeing it, that it does. He's better than he was last week at this time because it's seven days later. Um, if that if does that help you, if you and him went up and you guys shot baskets together, he'd whoop you. If you guys went out and you guys raced against each other, he'd whoop you. If you guys went out and uh, let's see, tried to throw the football, see so was to throw it more accurate or further, he'd whoop you. And so his body heals faster than yours. That's uh, Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni explaining. Well, we shouldn't rule Jalen Hurts out just yet uh, for their big showdown Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Eagles five-and-a-half-point favorites going into that one. They're at home. Everything to play for. They're trying to lock up the number one seed in the NFC. I just really, truly think that the Saints just don't have enough offense to compete with what Philadelphia has going on. I think this is the week that Jalen Hurts cements his MVP candidacy and really you know, takes the award home and puts a bow on it. I expect him to play. And I expect a big damn performance 
uh, from him against the Saints. The Jets going on the road to take on the Seattle Seahawks. That one interesting to me. Both teams trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Mike White back under center for the Jets uh, after taking that crushing rib shot versus the Bills. We weren't sure if Mike White would play again uh, after seeing that hit that Matt Milano put on him. Here is Jets quarterback Mike White talking about the steps it took to finally get cleared to return to action. As far as waiting like the couple weeks, was it was tough. But um, you try to stay engaged and, and enjoy being around your teammates, and, and that that uh, helps keep your mind off of it. Like on game day, it's especially hard when, when physically you feel like you could go out there, but understand why the doctors wouldn't clear me. So yeah, I mean it was tough, but if you make the most out of it, you you'll be all right. It's Mike White talking about how he got to trick the doctors to let him back into the lineup. Like I said, I was not sure that he'd play again this year. He took a crushing shot. Uh, at the hands of Matt Milano. It was cold outside in Buffalo. God willing, though, he's back on the field and he's going to try to give it a go for the Jets Sunday. And they're in a pseudo-playoff game as well against Seattle. Both teams, like I said, fighting for their playoff lives. I just personally think this Jets defense is too good uh, to lose this football game. Yes, Geno Smith and the Seahawks got off to a phenomenal start, but if you look at the last month and how Geno's performed, he's come crashing back down to earth. Uh, I think this Jets matchup for them this week is not what the doctor ordered. Super long trip for the Jets going across country. Should be a good one. I like the Jets, though. Bills and Bengals. To me, the matchup of the weekend. The Buffalo Bills, everyone's flavor of the week in the AFC. The preseason favorite by pretty much every pundit to make the Super Bowl. I gave you some of the numbers earlier in my Super Six Pack. They're struggling right now offensively. Josh Allen isn't playing like an MVP candidate. But his counterpart, Joe Burrow, is. I expect the Bengals to win that football game. And I think once we have that discussion on Monday or after Monday night when they play, I think we'll seriously start talking about the Bengals being the best team in the AFC. I've already been there. So when you guys meet me there, I'll welcome you with open arms. I like to get out ahead of things like this. The Bengals, I don't, it's hard. I don't want to go out on a limb and say they're going to the Super Bowl. But damn if they're going to the Super Bowl. I like the Bengals. I'm a Joe Burrow guy. That's really all I got to say about it. Green Bay and Minnesota, the other game of the weekend that Washington fans should have circled on their calendar, so to speak. Packers, winners of three straight, trying to do what they can do uh, to punch their ticket to the NFC postseason. Tough matchup, though, on the road against the NFC North champion Vikings. The first meeting between these two teams since week one uh, where Justin Jefferson just absolutely defied all the logics at the receiver position going Kanye crazy, so to speak, uh, in week one. Jair Alexander had some funny comments earlier in the week about how realistic it was for Justin Jefferson to do that again. Nine catches, a buck 84, and two touchdowns in week one uh, for Double J. Here is Packers head man Matt LaFleur on what it's going to take to keep their season alive. We're going to have to play at our best and prepare at our best to give ourselves a chance because they've just been so consistent throughout the entire course of the season. And our guys also know that, you know, you got to play the full 60 minutes. You can't worry about the score or anything like that. Just keep your head down, take it one play at a time, and uh, give all your energy and effort into that, to, to that moment, to that play. Well, look. We saw Green Bay up close and personal at the beginning of Taylor Heineke's magical run. They've gotten much better since then. They're winners of three in a row, and it just feels like the Packers are starting to turn a corner here. The Vikings, 
uh, have been the best situational football team in the NFL. Uh, they've got the most wins by one score in NFL history in the season with 11, I believe. So they know how to play close games. I expect this one to be a close matchup. At the end of the day, though, the man who gritties still, for me, is the deciding factor in this football game. I think the Vikings get it done and the Packers end up on the short end of the postseason stick. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll switch gears. We'll talk a little bit of hoops. David Aldridge, senior writer for The Athletic, had an interesting piece on the Washington Wizards earlier this week. We'll recap that next as the fan. You know, for me, anytime DA puts pen to paper, so to speak, it is uh, it's must read. It's appointment reading, right? The headline of the article is the Wizards have to figure out who they are and solve the Kyle Kuzma equation. And really, when you look at Washington and where they stand right now, that should be their biggest issue. I've said it on numerous occasions on these airwaves. They are in purgatory right now. They are in a awkward spot to be in, so to speak. Uh, with their win tonight, their record will improve to 16-21 and 21 on the year. They just pummeled the Orlando Magic. Not even close. Absolute beatdown. They're now in the 11th spot in the Eastern Conference playoff picture. There is four games that separate the 11th seed in the East and the 6th seed in the East are currently being hold, held down by the Indiana Pacers. Now, when you look at the teams in between, Miami, the Knicks, Atlanta, Chicago, there's an argument to be made that Washington has a roster that is just as good or better than those teams. The question is, for Washington, can they stay healthy? That's been their biggest issue this year is health. Uh, DeLon Wright made his return to the lineup a couple, a couple of games back. They're now 7-1 and one on the season when DeLon Wright plays. He has clearly brought a mentality defensively uh, that has had a trickle-down effect on the rest of this roster. That's the good part about the Washington Wizards. Why I say they're in this purgatory is because they've got to figure out who they want to be because they've been stuck in this middle ground. Yes, they've dealt with injuries, but at the end of the day, you are what your record says you are. They are currently right now the 11th best team in the Eastern Conference. They've got three 20-point-per-game scorers in Kyle Kuzma, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Bradley Beal. Beal is a max player. Chris Stapps, Porzingis is making $36 million annually. And Kyle Kuzma right now is arguably one of the hottest trade targets in all of the NBA. If you're Washington, winning and maintaining the interest of this fan base should be your number one goal. In order to do that, you keep this group together. You hope that they go on a a mini run as we start the new year. And we hope that they can continue to stay healthy because when they've been healthy, they've been good. But there's the other side of that coin. And the other side of that coin says, well, Washington, let's be honest. Even if you do get healthy, you're probably not going to be any better than the seventh seed in the East, right? And that puts you in that play-in tournament. No one wants to be there. It's the NBA's middle ground. It's purgatory. It's NBA hell, so to speak. As a fan, I'd rather my team to be horrible than them to be mediocre and flirt with making the playoffs. Now, that's not fun. To know that you have no shot of winning a championship, that sucks. I want Washington to get out of that rut. How do you do that? You trade the talent that you have on your roster currently for assets. The dilemma that Washington has is me personally, while Tommy Shepard and company have shown to be wizards, so to speak, while trading, and fleecing other teams and getting the better end of most of these deals that they've pulled off. 
I don't think they have earned the opportunity to sell off these pieces for assets and then have the ability to go draft with the picks they get in return. Because guess what? They have been god-awful when drafting. And that's been the difference between Washington and the rest of the franchises in the NBA. Look at their last three top ten picks. Corey Kispert, Denny Avdia, Rui Hachimura. Those three guys, all top ten picks, have not lived up to expectation. They haven't. So with Washington, if you sell off Kyle Kuzman, you sell off Porzingis, and you sell off DeLone Wright and some of your other assets, in exchange for first-round picks, do we trust this regime to go out and pick the correct players? We'll get into that and plenty more with Chase Hughes on the other side of this break. NBC Sports Washington Wizards insider Chase Hughes set to join the show. We'll cover a bevy of things, including what should the Wizards do moving forward? That's next here on The Fan. Welcome back to this New Year's Eve Eve edition of Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Youngs in Charge Movement, Linnell Willingham, riding with the till 10 o'clock on this Friday night in the district. Before we dish the rock to the JR Sport Brief Show, we'll continue our conversation uh, surrounding the Washington Wizards. Joining us to do so on the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today. Is NBC Sports Washington Wizards insider Chase Hughes. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Chase Hughes, NBCS. What's going on, Chase? How you doing, my man? Not much, man. It's good to be on with you. All right, Chase. It's starting to feel real again. Look, we came into this season, I did personally, thinking that the Wizards would hover somewhere between 6 and 10 in the Eastern Conference. They've gotten healthy since the last time. Me and you have chopped it up. DeLon right back in the lineup. Rui Hachimura back in the lineup. They've won four out of five and seem to have something good going on right now. If they can stay healthy, do you believe they can sustain this and potentially go on a mini run here as we enter the new year? I think so. I think if they can stay healthy, that's the the key point of what you said because as we've seen from the Wizards this season, when they're healthy, they're pretty good. They're about 500 or a little bit above 500. They were 9-7, and for instance, when Rui Hachimura went down with what we thought was an ankle sprain at the time. He ended up missing about a month with, with... what was later determined to be a bone bruise in his right ankle. So with Rui Hachimura on the bench, now they've got DeLon right back. They're six and one with Wright uh, active. They're pretty decent. You know, they've got much better depth right now. They're, they're getting a huge lift in terms of bench scoring. Uh, DeLon Wright helps their defense a lot, particularly on the perimeter. So I think they can be 500 or a little bit better moving forward. Now the two questions for me would be, um, how big of a hole did they dig themselves with that 10-game losing streak? Can they get out of that? And two, if injuries do come back again, can they better compensate for those losses? Because obviously they weren't able to during the 10-game losing streak. Yeah, the interesting point you brought up is can they dig themselves out of that hole? That's really you know what everybody's holding their breath on. This Twin Tower lineup, though, of Chris Stapps, Porzingis at the four, and Daniel Gafford at the five, uh, has gotten a lot of attention here over the last four or so games. Uh, what has it done for this team in the short term? And do you expect uh, Wes Unsell Jr. to stick with it outside of this five-game sample size that he's referenced? Well, the numbers have been great. I mean, they're outscoring teams by quite a bit with those guys on the floor. Um, and what is still a relatively small sample size, but uh, the sample size is growing. They've now started together in three games, and before they started together, we saw them on the court, uh, you know, in the middle of games at different times along the way. 
And uh, obviously, you know, you could expect uh, a strong uh, defensive pairing between those guys because they both protect the rim. And Kristaps Porzingis has had a really good year as a rim protector. And Daniel Gafford um, does a terrific job altering and blocking shots. So between the two of them, it just creates a wall at the rim that uh, is going to deter teams from driving uh, into the lane against the Wizards. But they've also, I think, um, proven to be a pretty good pairing on the offensive end because Porzingis now can just kind of roam around the perimeter and it draws his defenders out. And also we've seen an effect that, um, you know, I didn't really expect, which has been really positive, which is uh, they can kind of put Porzingis on um, a less difficult defensive assignment. Like, for instance, against the Sixers, they put Daniel Gafford on Joel Embiid. And not only does that uh, prevent Porzingis from getting in foul trouble, but it also saves his energy because when you're pushing up against someone like Joel Embiid, uh, trying to defend him in the post, it, it takes a lot of your energy that, you know, then you can't expend on the offensive end. So I think all those things, and then also in, in the big picture sense, just they're doing a better job of making other teams adjust to them rather yeah. them than them adjusting to other teams. When you look at it from the defensive standpoint, Chase, I wonder, like, when they go against a team like a Brooklyn or, or, or someone who's going to present you a difficult, you know, defensive matchup at, at the four spot for KP, what adjustments they make? I, I know you mentioned and referenced them just allowing, you know, Porzingis to roam, but are there going to be certain teams that make them go back to this small ball lineup? Or not small ball lineup, but KP at the five. Well, I mean, that's a really good question because um, right now uh, I think the Wizards, by going big, are doing a good job, like I said, of making other teams adjust to them. But inevitably, uh, you know, there'll be more film out there for other coaches to evaluate. Right. And adjustments are going to be made by other teams. And also the more these guys play together, the more they'll encounter teams that can, um, they can force the issue with, with smaller lineups or um, you know, lineups that can spread the floor with their shooting. So um, it's going to be tinkered with, I'm sure, moving forward over time. But um, I, I think getting all these players back has given Wes Unsell Jr. more options. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's stuck with the Gafford-Porzingis pairing at the four and the five and with Kuzma at the three. Um, even as, like, you know, a Denny Avdia came back, even as Bradley Beal went out and they had to replace him in the starting lineup. Um, but – you know, having a guy like DeLon Wright back, you know, if we're just talking about the defensive end, it, it just gives you so many more options in terms of your lineup because, you know, his size and his disruption on the perimeter just just allows you to create more balanced lineups uh, defensively. So I think for now, uh, as long as it's working, we're going to see the Wizards continue with it. And, you know, maybe there'll be have to be some adjustments moving forward as other teams can find some success again, against it, you know, maybe with who you pair those guys with. You know, maybe DeLon Wright, for instance, plays with them more often, especially in closing lineups. Right now he's on a strict minutes restriction, about 15 minutes per game. Um, But right now it's working, so they're going to roll with it until another team figures it out. I want to continue to talk about DeLon Wright a little bit more and his impact. I believe the team is 6-1 and one when he's in the lineup. When we were in the summer, did you expect DeLon to have this type of impact on this basketball team? And then what do you think of the idea of them potentially tinkering with him in the starting lineup? Because clearly there is a shift in energy defensively uh, when, DeLon, when DeLon's on the floor. Why not come from the vantage point of trying to start out with that? Because fast starts you know, obviously will lead to good things. Well, I did really like the acquisition. I think I said on your show and other shows that I thought it was the best acquisition the Wizards made in the offseason because obviously a lot of attention was put on 
um, you know, the number 10 pick, Johnny Davis, and then also, of course, the Monte Morris-Will Barton trade. But I just thought DeLon Wright was so perfect for what the Wizards needed. They needed size, they needed defense, and they needed three-point shooting, and those are the things that he provides. So um, that stood out to me right away, you know, him just kind of checking off boxes that they were trying to, um, you know, solve in the offseason. And then also, we haven't really seen a whole lot of this because he hasn't played very much and because he's back now and Bradley Beal's out. But I think he's the perfect type of point guard to complement Bradley Beal. Yeah. Um, so I think over time, when those guys are both available, I think it's inevitable we'll see them play together more often. Now, whether that means starting the game together, I'm not sure, but I, I do think that it'll go back to eventually once DeLon Wright's minutes restriction is loosened a little bit, once Bradley Beal's back, as we saw early in the season where Monte Morris started the game, but DeLon Wright finished the game, right? The closing lineup is, is it's based on matchups and it's based on who plays well throughout the game. But you know, those first five games that DeLon Wright played, he was closing pretty much every single one of them. Yeah. So I, I could see why you'd want to start uh, Monte Morris uh, um, just because he's, he's really good at setting the tone offensively in terms of sharing the ball. Um, but I could also see why you'd want to start DeLon Wright and set a defensive tone. So um, it, I think both those guys, they're, they're similar – in terms of their overall impact, they just do different things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Monte Morris was kind of acquired to be the starter. Delon Wright's used to being a backup. Not that Monte Morris isn't used to being a backup. He was a backup for the majority of the beginning of his career. But um, I, I think maybe at some point Delon Wright would start. But um, in the short term, you know, uh, based on a few things, I could definitely see more minutes for Delon Wright, especially late in the game. Talking to NBC Sports Washington Wizards insider Chase Hughes here on Overtime tonight, the New Year's Eve Eve edition of Overtime. And Chase, <laughs> just making an observation here, uh, sure seems like Will Barton is in Wes Unsell Jr.'s doghouse right now. Do you foresee him getting you know another bite at the apple, or, or is this going to be you know one of those situations where now you know Barton is one of those third tier wings being targeted before the deadline? I think he'll get another bite at the apple. I think the odds suggest that that will happen just because, you know, we're not even at the halfway point yet. We're close, but we're not there yet. And um, because he does have a long track record of success, you know, at some point you could see that the Wizards would expect him to break through. And also injuries could open the door naturally for him. Um, now it's worth noting that right now there is an injury ahead of him on the depth chart uh, because Bradley Beal's out. You know, it was, the, it was one thing the first night, that they got healthy for the first time all season. And, uh, you know, Will Barton didn't play because yeah. the Wizards can only have so large of a rotation. You know, they, they had 10 players play, and he was basically the 11th guy, the odd man out. But then Bradley Beal got hurt in that game. And then the next night, you know, Beal was out. Lon Wright uh, continues to play on a strict minutes restriction, and we still didn't see Will Barton. So that, that said a lot to me about where Will Barton stands right now in the eyes of the coaching staff and, Clearly, um, you know, he's being benched at the moment. Um, but I think there's enough time, even before the trade deadline, uh, for him to find his way in the lineup, you know, with some, some pr- production in practice maybe or another injury just kind of forcing the coaching staff's hand. Um, but there's also the possibility that at some point they'll want to get him some playing time, um, you know, before the trade deadline to kind of show other teams what, you know, maybe they could trade for because he has had a few games this season where yeah. where he provided the impact that they acquired him to provide. It just hasn't been consistent enough, right. nowhere near consistent enough. But um, I, I could see how you could try to increase his value heading to the trade deadline because 
um, is an expiring contract and a veteran and someone who, when he's playing well, can provide instant offense. I could see you know, a team, especially a contending team, uh, being interested in that if they don't have to give up very much. Yeah, the Will Barton situation for me, one of the ones that stinks because, like, I had high expectations for him. Like you said, he's got a track record of being, you know, one of the premier bench scorers in the NBA, but, you know, clearly just not working out here in D.C. right now. Uh, There was a rumor of Phoenix apparently turning down a deal with D.C. that would have sent Rui Hachimura to the desert in exchange for a disgruntled Jay Crowder. Uh, First of all, I hope Tommy and company weren't actually going to do this. Uh, second of all, in his last in his last three games, Rui averaging twenty one point six points per game on sixty six percent shooting. Uh, look, I know it's only a three game sample size, but do you think that is sustainable or somewhere close to what we can expect from Rui? And what do you think the team's thought process is right now with Rui as they try to, you know, teeter between being a contender and looking toward the future? Are they trying to shop him, or, or do you think they have you know hopes of aching him to an extension this summer? Well, I, I think first on that rumor, it, that probably wasn't going to be the trade in its final form if the Wizards oh, no, did pull right. the trigger on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jake Crowder, I think, would fit this team well, but um, they'd be a little bit lopsided to make a trade like that. And, you know, for for the whatever you want to say about the Wizards' record under Tommy Shepard in the draft and in free agency, they've done pretty well in trades. Like, that right. would be a lopsided deal that would be out of Tommy's character. So, uh, and and also, you know, trades that that are discussed this time of the year, I, I think a lot can change. A lot will change uh, leading up to the deadline when teams will actually say yes. Um, you know, when they when they're kind of under fire and, and have to make a deal. Um, but I, yeah, I think that what he's done recently. I don't know if he's going to shoot eleven of thirteen from the field. <laughs> I don't know if that's sustainable. But the you know ten to twenty points a game off the bench. I think you can expect that because when he's been healthy this year, that's what he's done. Yeah. And he's been really consistent, giving them double-digit scoring off the bench. He's really aggressive, and he man. That's the change for me, man. The aggressiveness is yeah. night and day. It, it is, and he has a tendency to get hot really quickly, so I think it, it really gives the Wizards a, a nice boost to, to go to whenever they want to, whenever they need it off the bench. He's always been good at, you know, knocking down his first few shots in the game. It's it's ten it's actually been an issue for him to kind of sustain that pace over the course of the game. But when you bring that in off the bench in the middle of the first quarter, it could be really impactful. So in terms of his, his future, you know, I, I think that is uh, like a, a big decision that the Wizards are gonna have to make over the next few weeks. You know, I know a lot of people are making a lot about Kyle Kuzma's future, but right. I think the Wizards re- really like the idea of, of keeping Kyle Kuzma. And, you know, if you're going to keep him and you want to keep Porzingis, uh, you know, you can't keep all these guys. So if Rui Hachimura, you didn't get an extension with him, um, you know, in October, then certainly that, that's just something that you're inevitably going to have to look at. Um, but we're now we're seeing the value that he provides off right. the bench. So you'd want to be able to, you know, replace that somehow. But if you don't think you're going to re-sign him this offseason, I mean, yes, he will be a restricted free agent if they extend him a qualifying offer, but – yeah, doesn't that put like probably, a cap hole? Like a isn't like an eighteen million dollar cap hole that that would come with? It would come with a cap hole, yeah. So it does restrict uh, what you're doing in the off season. But um, if if you make the decision now that right. you want to keep Kyle Kuzma and Kristaps Porzingis, uh, then Rui Hachimura is good, you know, and maybe you could trade Will Barton and free up some money. Of course, he's gonna, yeah. he's an impending <laughs> free agent, but. But, yeah, he's definitely someone they're going to have to make a decision on. And it's not going to be an easy one, like I said, because you see the value that he's provided right now. I think they're they're 12-8 and eight with him and 3-13 and 13, uh, without him, something like that. It's not quite the on-right split, but it's pretty right. close. 
Chase, to, to piggyback off of that, how much money do you think Rui potentially fetches on the open market from like a annual value? I think definitely double digits per right. year. I don't think he's going to come close to $20 million a year, but I would guess um, at this point, I'd guess like $11, 12000000 million a year. Maybe a little bit more than that if he keeps playing the way he has the last few games. Um, you know, availability is going to factor into that equation because yeah. he's now missed 95 games through his first four seasons. Yikes. We're not even halfway through this one, right? Okay, yeah. So you're talking about an of average <laughs> of 20-something games a year, yeah. right? Um, and yeah, he the, his first two seasons were cut short. They were 72-game seasons. Um, so availability has been an issue for him. Now I will point out that a lot of it's been, um, either bad luck, not really basketball injuries. Like one yeah. time he got <laughs> kicked in the groin by yeah, a teammate and was that. out for a long time. I mean, it wasn't like a, you know, a knee ligament or something. Um, and then of course he had the personal reasons absence last year. So there's definitely important context, but, um, when you took, when you just look at the numbers on a sheet of paper, that's something that's that's definitely going to be factored in. So I think if if he was more durable and he had done what he's done this this year and and throughout his career more often, maybe the price would be a little bit higher. But right now, I'd have to guess, um, you know, between ten and fifteen million a year. Chase, what the heck is this group going to do with Jordan Goodwin? He was like the revelation during the ten game losing streak, and now <laughs> that they've gotten healthy, it's like they forgot about my man. I know his contract status has a little bit to do with it, but uh, for you, man, are you surprised that he's kind of Falling out of favor here? Not falling out of favor, uh, but out of the rotation. Yeah, you mentioned the contract status. That's important context because at first I was like, well, DeLon Wright's only playing 15 minutes a night. Why why isn't Jordan Goodwin out there a little bit more? But um, they do have that to consider. You know, he's on a two-way deal where he can be active for 50 games. He's been active the last few games. He 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 didn't play in one of them, and then the second one, uh, he came in in the last few minutes for garbage time. But – I would guess that the Wizards are kind of biding their time at this point and they're going to have to convert him to an NBA deal. You know, maybe it's at the trade deadline where you trade two players for one and then all of a sudden you have a roster spot and you can convert his deal and then give the two-way contract to somebody else. Um, but he's shown enough where, you know, of all things were equal, I think he'd be on the court. Yeah. Um, and and certainly he's shown enough where I think the Wizards are going to have to give him a new contract. I mean, I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that. And I'm sure – uh, I, I'm sure they would they would openly admit that their front office because he he was so impressive and I, I just saw a guy that you know is going to probably have a, a pretty decently long NBA career if he keeps playing like that and somebody that would be particularly valuable to a team like the Wizards that has been searching for defense uh, at that position he's also a pretty good shooter he's been one of their best three point shooters you know hasn't been in high volume but he's shooting a high percentage so. Um, exactly the type of player that you want in your point guard rotation. Uh, let's let's look at things big picture here for a second, and and I understand like if we're being honest and like take the fan lens off of it, like the Wizards are in a tough situation as a franchise. To me, they're at a crossroads. This roster in 2022 was supposed to be you know Tommy Shepard and this regime's ace card, and, and while yes they've been hit by injury, they have not met their expectations to this point. I know it's still early on in the season. You know, so many would say that the solution is to try and deal your talent away for assets and build through the draft and free agency. But I'm like, man, you know, they got to try to be buyers, you know, headed toward the deadline. They should be trying to go for it all at this point, because guess what? Based on this regime's draft history, I don't think they've earned, you know, the right to pick more guys and miss on any more guys. So is the mindset right now for the 2022 Wizards here and now or, or is their eye toward the future, you think? 
I think it's here and now. Um, now the next five, six weeks will determine a lot, of course, because yeah. they just lost 10 straight games and now they've won four or five through very different directions. And as we've seen, the, the next five, six weeks could go two very different directions. Yeah. If they have another extended losing skid, um, then they might be forced into a situation where they become sellers because um, they've got a lot of guys who could be up for contracts this off season, and some of them who could command quite a bit of money. And I think uh, Ted Leonsis and most uh, professional sports owners are willing to pay um, what it takes uh, to, to keep players if their team's winning. You know, right. If your team's losing, right. I, I don't know many sports owners out there who would want to you know, pay a huge salary cap for a team that isn't at least making the playoffs. So, um, if, but if they keep winning as they have recently, then you could certainly see them become buyers. Um, now, to what degree? I, I doubt they you know, sacrifice their future. I don't know if we've seen enough from this season to say that this is the, the point in time where you'd want to trade some future draft picks to yeah. really try to move, step up and move forward. I think you got to see this season play out. But maybe they could add some shooting uh, or add some defense. It, it be, if, I think, if there's one thing that I think they, they could probably benefit from adding, it would be three-point shooting. We've seen yeah. this year, and we've seen over the last few years how it's just a, such a small margin for error when you can only make eight or nine threes uh, a night and your opponent has the ability to do that in a half you yeah. know, on a regular basis. Um, they so got to find a way to get more attempts shooting, too, man. Like That's what I feel like is the issue from three for them is they're not getting up enough. Yeah, and I think that's just kind of a reaction to them not having a whole lot of shooters. But as we've right. seen in the last off season, the last few off seasons, you add one or two shooters, not going to make a major difference. You kind of need to add like three or right. four of them over, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a period of time. So maybe you could add a shooter uh, in whatever position you want to, you know, upgrade uh, heading to the trade deadline. But I, I think their goal is to kind of. Uh, make the playoffs this year and then go into next offseason and, and really hopefully have an opportunity to level up with a trade from there. But, you know, you mentioned the, the draft picks. I, I, I defend the plan that they've kind of charted a course with. I think mm-hmm. the plan that they've they've laid out can work, but the, the it's really got to work through the draft. Like yeah. they are young players that they've picked. Like one of those guys really needs to level up because, you know, as much as we talk about the potential of trades, I think that's the most feasible way that they can become a much better team at this point is if one of those guys has a a breakout year, whether it's this season or next season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch, man. I will say this, you know, the young guys here over the past, you know, week or so have have done well for themselves. I do want to ask you before I let you go on on one more young guy, Corey Kispert. And when we've seen Bradley Beal not in the lineup, Corey Kispert's been the guy that they've went with when he's been healthy, you know, at the two spot. But it just feels like to me, and I want to hear your vantage point on this, like, feel like he's just not getting enough shots. Like This is a guy who can shoot the basketball. I know he's doing good things off the ball, but like, could we see more design sets to get him looks from three? Well, right now that he's in the starting lineup uh, replacing Bradley Beal, there are very few shots going his way. Yeah. Um, and he, he this season has been very efficient. I mean, he's been one of their best shooters across the board. Uh, at times, he's been close to a 50-40-90 guy. And the type of player that you look at the team stats and you're like, well, well why isn't this guy shooting more? <laughs> like, yeah. That seems like uh, like an inefficiency that the Wizards can attack right there is just, you know, get this guy more shots. And I think over time, you know, if when he's on the bench in particular and he's not sharing the ball with Kuzma and Porzingis and the other guys out there in the starting lineup, it would be smart for them to try to do that moving forward. And, I, you know, actually recently I was comparing, you know, his three-point attempts, which are about four – 
per game to some of the other top shooters around the league. And, you know, Duncan Robinson, for instance, especially a couple of years ago when he was at his peak powers, he was averaging like seven or eight three-point shot attempts <laughs> per game. That would be doubling what, what Kispert gets now. It'd be nice. But, you know, <laughs> right, right. But guys like, uh, you know, Joe Harris, for instance, uh, Cam Johnson with Phoenix, they tend to average about six three-point attempts per game. So I think if you ju- if you could just try to go out and get Kispert six three-point shot attempts per game instead of four, maybe then he's a double-digit points-per-game scorer. Yeah. And maybe your three-point shooting just improves naturally by doing that. And even if the percentage goes down for him, it's still probably going to be pretty efficient. Maybe he's not shooting 42% from three, but it's 38% from three. But it's on six attempts a game, and all of a sudden he's a, a higher-impact player. So I think – especially in the second unit when he's out there, run him off some screens, try to get him some catch-and-shoot plays. I think that would be a smart way to improve their bench overall moving forward, which, you know, lately has looked much better, but has been a weakness for the most part this season. All right, Chase, we'll see what happens, my man. The Wizards hopefully enter the new year on a hot streak. Uh, We look forward to talking to you soon, buddy. Absolutely, man. Anytime. That's going to do it here on this Friday night edition of Overtime. And give me a follow on Twitter at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. The JR Sport Brief Show is next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 